podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. What's good, boys and girls? Welcome to the Two-Footed Podcast. It is Friday, May the 28th, and we're brought to you, as always, by EPLindex.com in association with presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider that's a virtual privacy network, allows you to go online, change your location if you wanted to access something like American Netflix, or if you want to watch the Friends reunion on HBO Max, you can also do it that way. Also keeps your data safe online, so check out libertyshield.com and use the code EPLVPN to get off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk. And finally, we're happy to announce that there is the EPL Index shop now on Etsy. Just search EPL Index on Etsy, and there's a whole bunch of products there. New stuff going up all the time. There's also the Anfield Index shop, for those of you of a Liverpool uh, persuasion. That's on Etsy. You can find it on the AnfieldIndex.shop website either. Right, folks. Um, If I sound poor today, I finally managed to get fibre installed here on the far side of the moon. So it's a brand new line. It's going to be a couple of days of speeds going up and down. So if my sound is off today, that's why it should be rectified by Monday. Uh, but we do have a very big weekend of football. Probably the biggest weekend of the year. We have champion, the, the Champions League final, the Championship playoff, the League One playoff, and the League Two playoff. So we'll start with the Champions League final. It's the big football. It's Manchester City. It's Chelsea. It's the game that... The majority of English football fans probably didn't want because there's a lot of distaste towards both of those clubs and how they found their way into the success they have. But let's be fair. Both of them have had tremendous success. Both of them have done incredibly well to get to this point in the season. Chelsea had a fairly straightforward group. Sevilla, the best team in it. Krosnodar and Wren. They drew at home with Sevilla, beat Krosnodar away, beat Rennes at home, beat Rennes away, beat Sevilla in Seville 4-0, an absolute wallop. Drew at home with Krosnodar in the last game when they were already qualified. An impressive group stage under Lampard. Then they drew Atletico Madrid. And obviously, when it's Lampard against Simeone, you're, you know what's happening. Simeone is going to coach him into a tin hat. And then he's going to, you know, send him off down the road. But Tuchel had taken over by this point. He's obviously a different beast. A 1-0 win in the away leg held in Bucharest because of COVID, followed by a 2-0 win at home. Really, really impressive stuff from Chelsea to get through 3-0 in aggregate against one to win La Liga. So that's impressive. Then they drew Porto, 2-0 away, 1-0 at home. Now, both games were played in Seville. Neither game was played on home turf for either team. Which is interesting because obviously this game has been played in Porto Stadium. 
Now, Chelsea have played there before. They've played there four times. They've lost three and won one. So not the best record at the Drago, but they've got the experience of having gone there a number of times. Now, there's only probably Aspilicueta that has been there from this current group. I can't think of anyone else. Maybe Alonso, maybe Marcus Alonso, but Aspilicueta has definitely been there. They beat Porto 2-1. They move on. They get Real Madrid, who'd knocked out. They beat. They draw one all with, with Real in Madrid. A very impressive performance that sort of got overlooked because of how well City did in their first leg, but really gave them the advantage, gave them control of the tie, and a pretty comfortable 2-0 second leg victory sends them through to the final. Their third Champions League final. Obviously, their first 08 Manchester United. Cristiano scores, Lampard scores, half-time. Second half, one of the football you're likely to see. Nothing happens. Nothing happens through extra time other than Drogba getting himself sent off for raising his hand to Matt, to Nemanja Vidic. Denies Chelsea what would have been one of their likely penalty takers. Into the penalty shootout. Cristiano misses. Frank Lampard scores. All Chelsea need to do is score their last penalty and they win. Now, for some reason, and I can only imagine it was his choice because he wanted John Terry was on the fifth penalty. It made no sense to anybody at the time. It still makes no sense now. Terry steps up, slips, and as he ends up on his backside, the ball hits the post. And goes wide. Nicholas and Elke would step up next for Chelsea and miss. And United would go on to win the competition. Fast forward four years. 2012. Munich. Chelsea versus Bayern Munich. Bayern heavily fancied. Probably the weakest Chelsea team. Of the Abramovich era. Finished sixth in the league that year. Bayern struggle under the pressure. In their own stadium. Don't turn up. Thomas Muller does put them one up in like the 83rd minute. Drogba scores on 88. Again, we go to penalties. Hilariously, Manuel Nauer saves the first kick from Mata, then takes Bayern's third kick, puts it away brilliantly. But Ivica Olic and Bastian Schweinsteiger would both miss, and Chelsea would win. More John Terry-related comedy. Rather than have the humility to say... I was suspended I and allow Frank Lampard, captain on the night, to lift the trophy. The same way Roy Keane had in 99. Keane didn't play in the final. Schmeichel was the captain on the night. And Keane said, that's your trophy. You go lift it. Keane didn't even want his medal. Didn't feel he'd earned it. Wanted to stay in the background. Didn't even want to come on the pitch. Not John Terry. Our man JT appears in full kit. Shin pads, boots, the lot. Looking ridiculous. And proceeds to lift the trophy and celebrate like he was the best player on the pitch. With two more embarrassing moments in Champions League finals than John Terry. The slip in the first one, turning up in his full kit in the second one. Captain, leader, legend. This is City's first final. They've never been here before. 
Sheikh Mansour took over in 2008 and the whole project has been geared to this. The whole time they've been there, it's all been about winning the Champions League. Build it up and let's win the Champions League. That's why Guardiola is there. They're not paying him 14 or 15 million just to win domestic trophies. They are paying him to win the Champions League. He's obviously won two with Barca. Didn't quite get the job done at Bayern. People had questioned him and questioned his legacy because he hadn't gotten it done at City. A couple of disappointing uh, defeats, a couple of slightly embarrassing defeats to end previous tournaments. But this year, they've gotten the job done in terms of getting to the final. Now, they had, again, like Chelsea, a fairly straightforward group. They had Porto. They did play Porto in Porto. So they have played at the drag out this season. They drew nil-nil in, in the second of the two games. They beat Porto at home, beat Marseille away, beat Olympiacos at home, beat Olympiacos away, drew with Porto, and then beat Marseille in the final game to very comfortably top that group. They had a very run-of-the-mill round of 18, a round of 16 tie rather, with Borussia Mönchengladbach, won both games 2-0. Then they had some trouble. Dortmund gave them everything they could. Really struggled to cope with Haaland couple of questionable decisions in the second leg against Haaland where Ruben Diaz was all over him and not getting called for fouls. The first leg, though, the most egregious call by any referee all season. Jude Bellingham scored a perfectly good goal and a free kick was given against him, having been kicked by Ederson. He didn't kick Ederson. Ederson kicked him. But somehow Ederson gets the free kick. I think City probably would have got through anyway. But that was a Dortmund... I'd like to have seen it with better officials in both games and Sancho and just seen how City would have coped with that. Uh, Into the semi-finals, they beat PSG 2-1 in the away leg. Gary Lineker told us it was the greatest away performance by any English club ever. Utter hyperbole. Very, very good result. Good performance. Overshadowed Chelsea's really good result as well. Like I said, away to Madrid. Very strong result for Chelsea. But it put them in a great position, and obviously then they go out, beat PSG 2-0 in the second leg, and Mbappe sitting on the bench with an injury. So again, a little bit of good fortune for City. Obviously, Di Maria sent off on 69 as well for foolishness. So here we are, two English clubs, one who've been in two finals and won one, one that have never been here before. City, of course, do have some European pedigree. We don't want to pretend like they don't. Um... You go back to the days of Lee, Bell and Summerby and City were European Cup winners, Cup winners in 1970. Way back then, City were, the myth that City are, you know, Johnny-come-lately team, they've become a, a power of late, but City have always been a strong club, a big club, big fan base, loyal fan base. And they had a lot of success back through the 50s and 60s, that Lee, Bell and Summerby era. They were just tremendous, maybe the best team in England for a couple of years before Liverpool took over and became dominant. Um, for Chelsea then, obviously, they've got some European success before the, the more recent success. Uh, they'd won the Cup Winners' Cup in 71. They won it again then in 97, 98. Uh, Viali was the manager, I believe. Was it the Viali or Hullet? I think it was Viali. I think Hullet won the Cups, won the League Cup and the FA Cup, and then Viali took over and won the... Cup Winners' Cup. I could be wrong on that. Correct me if I am. Um, they've obviously won the Champions League, like I said, in the Europa League. So they do have a lot more European pedigree 
than City. They've obviously been remarkably successful over the Abramovich era, as City have been in the Mansour era. Um, for Chelsea, five league titles under Abramovich. For City, five league titles under Mansour. So they are two powerhouses. They're definitely deserving of their places here. They've both had to navigate some difficult games for for City. Easy group. Back was easy, but Dortmund was tough and PSG was tough. For Chelsea, again, easy group. Atletico, very difficult. Porto, straightforward enough. Real, difficult. I think it's going to be a good game. Pep against Tuchel should be interesting. They've obviously played each other twice in, in recent weeks. Tuchel got the better of Pep in both games, winning the FA Cup semi-final, ending City's hopes of a quadruple. Then they won the league game 2-1 at the Etihad. Now, Pep holds the overall advantage between the two. Was it Bayern Munich? They beat Mainz, managed by Tuchel twice. Beat them in the first game they faced each other when Tuchel went to Dortmund. Drew the second game. And then the final game between them in Germany was Pep's last game with Bayern, the Pokal final. Bayern would win on penalties. So you can either say it's four wins to two with a draw in Pep's favour or three wins to two with two draws, depending on how you look at it. 90 minutes, the final was a draw. 120 minutes, it was a draw. I think this is going to be a tight game. It looks like City have everybody fit. Chelsea are still sweating on some fitness issues. Mendy got hurt against Villa. Kante got hurt against Villa. They will be desperate to have both of those back. Mendy, largely because of who the, who the alternative is, nobody really wants to go into Champions League final and trust Kepa, given what we've seen from him for the last couple of years. And Kante is especially important against City. His ability to, to win the ball back, his ability to push players back, his non-stop energy. Kante is a big game player. You've never seen Kante in a big game and not play well. There's something about that man. He just turns up in big games. He can be dreadful for weeks and weeks and weeks, put him in a big game, and he's the best player on the pitch. So Chelsea will be desperate to have both of them two back. Like I said, City at full strength. They rested some players for their final league game against Everton, still went out and wiped the floor with them. I'm going to pick City to win this game. And I want City to win this game. For those that are, you know, anti-City or whatever, look, they're going to win the Champions League at some point anyway. They've got too much money behind them. Damn good not to do it. They have one of the four best managers in the world. They've got some of the best players in the world. They're strong from back to front. And they're funded by a country a mega-rich country. like They're going to win it at some point. It might as well be now. Chelsea, they've already won it. So for their fans, you wouldn't feel as bad if they do lose. But again, they're going to win it again at some point because they've got too much money behind them. Roman is, is always willing to put money in. And Chelsea are a big draw. You know, they're a glamour club. Hush part of London. I think City will win the game. I think it'll be tight, but I do back Pep over Tuchel. I'm going to say 2-1. I think De Bruyne is going to have a big game. Ruben Diaz should have a fairly easy afternoon, but I would worry a little bit if Werner can get in around him and use his pace off the back of him. That might cause Diaz some problems. Um, 
Moving on then, matters closer to home. The playoffs underway and the finals are set. It's the championship playoff today. Oh, sorry, tomorrow. The League One playoff Sunday and the League Two playoff Monday. I could be mistaken, but I thought it used to go the other way where the League Two one was first, then League One and then the championship. But the championship was like the final one. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, in the League One... Sorry, in the in the championship final, uh, which is Saturday at 3 p.m., it's Brentford against Swansea. Brentford overcame Bournemouth uh, 3-2 in aggregate, lost the first leg in Bournemouth, who had a great season and will probably get plucked away by a Premier League club, uh, gave Bournemouth the win. In the second leg, Danjuma put Bournemouth ahead again. Ivan Tony equalised the penalty. Chris Metham got himself sent off. And Brentford's pressure, an extra man just told, and they wore Bournemouth down. Bournemouth, to their credit, never stopped trying, but they just couldn't combat playing that long with 10 men. Uh, Janelt and Fours with the goals for Brentford. Now, they will go into this game very, very confident. And rightly so. Third, four points behind Watford, seven points ahead of Swansea. They drew the first league meeting between the two, 1-1, at the, the new Brentford Community Stadium. Ivan Tony with the goal for Brentford. AU with the goal for, for Swansea. The second game, also a 1-1 draw. Down at the Liberty. Fosu with the goal for Brentford. Connor Hurahan in on loan from Villa. Equaliser. They're two well-matched teams, but Brentford coming off the back of that game against Bournemouth, having gotten so close last year, losing the playoff final to Fulham after a goalkeeping error, I think they'll be confident. They know that in Ivan Tony, they've got the best player in the division. 31 goals in the championship. Outstanding achievement. Marcus Force is a good goal-scoring option for them as well. Brian Mbwamo, talented player, a little bit inconsistent, but he's a force. Jean Elton in the middle of the park, the German defensive midfielder is one I really do like. I was quite surprised that they got him. He'd come through the Hamburg Academy, gone on to and was quite highly rated, and Werder Bremen had strong interest in him. Um, but he chose to go to Brentford, and he's done really well for them this season. Swansea, their two main guys are the two wide players. Jamal Lowe and Andre Ayew. Ayu is the more talented of the Ayu brothers. I think he's the highest paid player in the championship, earning somewhere around 80 grand a week. Um, but Lowe has been excellent this year. And they picked him up from Wigan. He was one of the players that Wigan were forced to sell as part of that fire sale because of their financial problems. What if they got a pittance for him? 800 grand. He was easily a three or four million pound player. Great move for Swansea. 14 goals. In 47 games in all competitions, 14 and 44 in the league. A really impressive return for him. A really, really talented player. And between him and Ayu on the wings, they just caused teams a lot of problems. Ayu himself had 16 goals in the league, 17 in all competitions. Backs on to 18 in all competitions last year. So he's in form. He's, he's too good for that level. And even at 31, you'd have to imagine there will be Premier League clubs that'll take a look at him in the summer and think, you know what, as a squad player, absolutely. 
um, including perhaps the club of his brother, Crystal Palace, who may well be stumbling around looking for players, depending on how slowly they are appointing man- a manager and the situation with half their squad, or two-thirds of their squad, been out of contract. Swansea, obviously, to get to this point, beat Barnsley uh, 2-1 on aggregate. A 1-0 win at Barnsley, IU with the goal, a one all second leg down at the Liberty. Grimes, Matty Grimes, who has become a very good midfield play for them, had put them 1-0 up. Um, Collie Woodrow made it 1-1, but it wasn't enough. Matty Grimes, when they signed him from Exeter way back in 2015, like there was a lot of hype around him. And it took him a couple of years to really establish himself. So he's been at the club seven years. He's only really been... Sorry, six and a half years. I think he came in the January. But it took him about three and a half years to find his way. He had a couple of loan spells, failed loan spells, it's worth pointing out. One at Blackburn, one at Leeds. But went on loan to North in 1718 and did really well. Came back and has established himself for Swansea. Now, this season, he's just been on a different level. His ability to dictate tempo from the middle of the, middle of the park has just been really, really good. Quality player, one of a couple of quality players at that club. The the two to really keep an eye on are at the back. Freddie Woodman in goal, owned by Newcastle, on loan for the second season in a row. Really good goalkeeper. I think he should have been in the England squad. I would have him over Sam Johnston or Aaron Ramsdale. I think he's a stupid either. I would be amazed if he's not a Premier League goalkeeper next season. I think Newcastle might be... Might be smart to look at Dubravka and think, right, you're really good, but at your age, this might be our last chance to get some money for you. Let's sell you while you've still got good value. And you've got Wood- Woodman as a ready-made replacement. You've still got Carl Darlow. I think that would be their smart move. They're not a smart club, so I expect that he'll probably either get loaned out or get sold. But a Premier League club is where he should be next year. And then Mark Wehi, the young Chelsea centre-back. He is absolutely brilliant between him and Ivan Tony, will probably define this game. Gwehi's another far too good for the championship, belongs in the Premier League. Don't really see a future for him at Chelsea, if I'm honest, because when I look at Fikayo Tomori and how they treated him, I don't know that they're going to treat him uh, Gwehi any different. He's at a contract in a year, so unless they can get him to sign a new deal, I think they're going to have to sell him this year. He will definitely have Premier League clubs interested. Crystal Palace already linked seen links to a couple of other teams, including Aston Villa, he'd be a really to Esri Konza. Now, it wouldn't be the tallest pairing in the world, but as pure defenders, really, really good. If Everton want a defender to play next to Ben Godfrey, if Mason Holgate at right back is the way they're going to go so that they can skew things a little bit and slide to a back three, Mark Wahey would make a lot of sense for them as well. I don't really have a dog in this fight at all. We've obviously seen Swansea in the Premier League seven years. Everyone has good memories of them. Came up under Rodgers. Were really good under Loudrup and and would go on to win the League Cup. The last couple of years, some bad managerial appointments. Scraped to stay up in their second last season. Went down a bit, you know, a bit without a fight in the last season. We've seen them in the Premier League. They've been in the Premier League. They've experienced it. The fans have experienced it. For that reason, I'd like to see Brentford come up. Brentford have never played in the Premier League. Brentford, remember, you know, 15 years ago were like a League Two team. They were struggling to survive. Matthew Benham came in a few years later after they'd already secured promotion to 
League One when they were fan-owned. Matthew Benham comes in as a fan. A lot of money behind him. That's the process that leads them to where they are now. He's done great work there. And with Mitteljand, Mitteljand were an afterthought of Danish football when he bought them. Now they're a four-time champion in the last four years. They haven't finished out to the top two. So his approach works. He's big on analytics. He's big on you know smart recruitment. It would be really interesting to see how Brentford would recruit with Premier League money. You can look up and down the Premier League and there's some cracking players that have come from Brentford. Ollie Watkins came from Brentford. Esri Konza was at Brentford. Oski was at Brentford. Saeed Benrama was at Brentford. And there's others as well. So it would be interesting to see how they would do at the Premier League level. Now remember as well, like they bought Ollie Watkins for 1.8 million, sold him for a fee that could rise to, I think, 33 million, and then bought Ivan Tony for 5 million, which I think rises to about 8. That is how that is how you manage on a budget. That is how you sell your best player and you know continue to develop. Hope Brentford win the game. I'm not going to give a prediction because I haven't watched enough of the teams over the course of the season. I know that Brentford have the best attacker in the game, but I also know that Swansea have the best goalkeeper and the best centre-back in the game. That's where the battle will be won, I think. Guayhi against against Ivan Tony. Um, on to Sunday, then. It is the League One playoff final. It is Blackpool against League. Blackpool obviously have had a, a bizarre run for the last eight, nine years. Since they fell out of the Premier League, lots of nonsense with the ownership. The club had to basically be taken off the owners and... It's been a traumatic time for the fan base. Was, players weren't paid for months on end. They stared bankruptcy right in the eyes. They managed to survive. They've overcome Oxford, beat them 3-0 Oxford in a 3-3 draw at Bloomfield Road in the second leg. It was a cracker of a game. I did watch that one. Um, they finished third in the league, so they will feel that they're the favourites going into this, I think. But Lincoln finished just three points behind them in fifth. Uh, Lincoln overcame Sunderland 2-0 in the first leg and then held on, lost 2-1 in the second leg, but went through an aggregate. I was hoping to see Sunderland win and go through, and I would have liked to see Sunderland get back into the championship because I think, you know, it's because I watched the Sunderland Till I Die documentary about three different times, and you just you have to feel kind of sorry for what their fan base has been through. I really think you have to feel sorry for them. Um, it's a, Sunderland's a great club and deserves better. Now, Guy won't agree with me, but I would have liked to have seen Sunderland come up. Come up. But again, I, I have no, I have no real feel for this. I don't watch the, um, I don't watch the the, the League One games. It, it's, it, I just don't have time. Basically, is what it comes down to. Um, so I couldn't tell you who the best player from either team is. Michael Appleton's a clever coach. He's been around a long time. He's done good work at, uh, at Lincoln. And I do know that Neil Critchley is a very, very good coach. Neil Critchley, obviously former, former Liverpool coach, Liverpool under-23s coach for a couple of years, uh, heavily involved in the academy for a number of years. He's a very, very good coach. Um, 
I'm going to go, I'm going to lean for Blackpool when I watch the game. I'm going to hope that Blackpool win for no reason other than that they're a historic club. And I want to see the Blackpool Preston next season. So that's it. That's the only reason I'd have any favoritism there. Um, and then lastly, the League Two playoff final on Monday. Morecambe against Newport County. Again, I've no real feel for this game. Morecambe finished third in the league, one point behind Bolton. Sorry, they finished fourth in the league, one point behind Bolton. Newport finished fifth, five points behind Morecambe. Um, Morecambe have done really, really well to get to this point. I mean, they're such a small club. But they they beat for uh, sorry, they beat Tranmere, which puts them in my bad books. I would have loved to see Tranmere, you know, get to this final and, and potentially go up again. Um beat them two one away, one all draw at home. The other tie, um, I, I went and watched the games back. Newport won the first leg two nil. And then lost the second one four three after after extra time. Fabulous drama in that game. It went to extra time having with Forest Green having won the first won the game four two, and then in the hundred nineteenth minute, Maynard scores, um, to uh, to put them through. And Nicky Maynard's been around a long time. What is he thirty four? He'll be thirty five later this year. But Nicky Maynard's been around a long, long time. I remember him banging in goals for Bristol back in the day. Um, came through a crew. For him to still be out scoring goals is is just really impressive, and he's only there on loan as well. But um, I'll be I'll be cheering on Newport. Um, since I've gone against Swansea, I figure I owe it to the country of Wales, and because Morecambe knocked out Tranmere, they can get in the bin. Uh, we'll take a quick break, and when we come back, we've got some news, we've got some gossip, and we'll wrap up and get you out of here. Back in a bit. Right, folks. So we have news. Liverpool have announced that they have agreed for Ibrahima Kanate, the French centre-back from Orby Leipzig, just turned 22 years old, one of the best young centre-backs in the world. Uh, the fee is believed to be in the region of about £36 million. Now, his buyout was £34 million. So it says to me that what Liverpool have done is they've agreed to pay a little bit more in return for paying in instalments rather than a lump sum. Leipzig likely agreed to this on the basis that Liverpool buyer from them. Leipzig's model is buy, develop, sell. You might get spoofers that'll tell you, though they want to build a club to rival Bayern. No, they don't. They might like to rival Bayern the odd season, but they're going to follow the Dortmund model. Buy, develop, sell. They want to be sustainable. They don't want to be stupid. They can't compete with Bayern on a season-to-season basis because they don't have the fan base. They don't have the commercial power. They might have Red Bull behind them, but only they can put in. And it's not like they can just turn around and go, oh, no, Red Bull are paying us $400 million a year to have their logo on the front of our shirts because nobody will believe that's real. Um, when you've got 17 fans, that's just how it is, unfortunately. Canate, um, is, is, I think he's a great signing for Liverpool. I, I really do. I'm a huge fan. I've been a fan 
since the first time I saw him with Sosha. Um, he is six foot four, quick, dominant in the air, powerful, clever, good on the ball, comfortable on the ball. He's been at um, Leipzig now for four years. The first year he played 20 games in all competitions. The second year he played 43 and he hurt his hip. And that cost him most of last season. Uh, he played only 11 games last season. Leipzig kept kind of rushing him back and he kept breaking down. Now this season he's played only 20 times and I've seen a lot of people say, oh, that's two seasons where he's barely played. But this season is different. This 15 games through injury. The first six he missed from the injury from last season as he was recovering and they were taking it nice and slow to get him back. He did have an ankle injury which cost him nine games. It could be the other round. I think the ankle cost him nine games. But other than that, Leipzig have just been monitoring him very, very carefully and being very careful with him. You've also got to factor in Nagelsmann plays a back three or prefers to play the back three. In a back three, the central position is the only one where Kanate and or are really comfortable. Because the way Nagelsmann plays his back three, he wants those flanking centre-backs to basically push out and act as fullbacks, and his, his defensive midfielder will drop in next to the center, the middle centre-back to form a back four if they get countered on. So Kanata and Upamecano both have issues going to fullback because it's a foreign position to them. Nagelsmann had a preference for Upamecano, and now we see why. They're both going to Bayern. That didn't just happen overnight. Nagelsmann has always wanted to manage Bayern Munich. Before he went to Leipzig, there was talk that he was going to go to Munich. He bought a house in the area. So he's always had it in the back of his mind that he's going to go there. The Upamecano to Bayern thing has been going on for two years. So you have to believe that Nagelsmann was showing favoritism to a player he's likely to work with long term. There's no question for my, for my money that Kanata is the better player. He's better in the air. He's a better defender. He's not as... Upa Meccano is a physical bully. Kanate is a, is a monster of a human being. Like I said, 6'4", well-built, really strong. But he doesn't just bundle over attacking players. He prefers to use his anticipation, his ability to do so. I think he's going to be the first-choice starter next to Van Dijk. And to all Premier League attackers, God bless you. 36 million, it's an absolute bargain. Um... Zinedine Zidane has stepped down at Real Madrid. It is believed that Raul is the favourite to replace him, but that there are a lot of people behind the scenes at Real pushing for Pochettino. It would be sensational if Pochettino, having been sacked by Spurs, failing upwards into the PSG job, failing there, hasn't won a league title, would then get the Real Madrid job. That would be almost as spectacular as Ronald Koeman failing at Everton, failing upwards into the Netherlands job, doing a, a decent job, but not job, not winning anything because he wasn't there long enough, and then getting the Barcelona job. Roberto Martinez, by the way, rumoured to be a potential replacement for Koeman if he gets sacked. The same career path, failed at Everton, decent job with a national team, but you know hasn't won anything, and onwards, upwards into Barcelona. If Pochettino goes to Real, I think we do see Zidane go to P. 
PSG. In which case, I think Mbappe stays. I think Varane probably ends up there. And I think Camavinga ends up there. And given that they are rumoured to be having put in bids for Teo Hernandez and Ashraf Hakimi, that is a back three, which Zidane has played a few times. Marquinhos, Varane, Kimbembe, Hakimi, Verratti, Camavinga, Teo, Neymar is a 10, Mbappe plus whoever up front. That's a hell of a team. That's a hell of a team. If Zidane, go, if that job opens up, I do think Zidane will be the one to take it. Juventus has sacked Andrea Pirlo after one year in charge. Massimiliano Allegri is set to be reappointed as manager. Um, obviously won five consecutive titles in his five years there. Left in 2019, was replaced by Sarri, who lasted only one year. And was replaced by Pirlo, who only, what, two weeks beforehand had been appointed to look after one of the academy teams. I wonder if we see Pirlo take an academy job with them now, have greater ambitions. Um, that job always came too early from, too big from, too young, too inexperienced. AC Milan have completed the signature of Mike Magnan from Lille, best goalkeeper in Ligue 1. He is not a downgrade in any way on Gigi Donnarumma. Right now, he might even be a better goalkeeper of the two. Donnarumma, it looks like, will leave for free. Barca have been linked. Chelsea have been linked. United have been linked. But it looks like Juventus are the favourites for his signature. Now, you could say, oh, well, they're losing him on a free. But what you have to factor in is that Mino Raiola was demanding for himself, not for Donnarumma, a £20 million agent fee, €20 million Euro agent fee, just to facilitate a new contract, plus the signing, signing on bonus for Donnarumma, plus the, men, the mental wages. In Manyan, they get, you know, I think probably right now a better goalkeeper for €15 million Euro on very reasonable wages. I would imagine... If he's on €60,000 a week, I'd be surprised. I think it'll be south of that. So I think this is a win for AC Milan. No longer having to deal with Mino, and once Zlatan goes next summer, I think they may just say, that's enough of Mino Riola. We are not dealing with him ever again. Because he has been a plague on that club. This is the second time he's done this with Donnarumma. And Donnarum is only 22 years of age. But he hasn't developed the way you would have expected him to when we saw him at 16, 17, 18. He's still a hell of a goalkeeper. He's still way ahead of the curve for a 22-year-old. At 22, most goalkeepers are either out on loan or just getting the chance. This guy's got six years of experience behind him. He's got five years with the national team. Like, it's unbelievable. But there's been an awful lot of mess with his contract since day one. And... I think it might just, for AC Milan, to just say, right, go away. We don't want to deal with you anymore. If you don't have the gratitude to us for what we've done for you, on your bike. Uh, Jack Wilshire will leave Bournemouth at the end of his short-term contract this season. Joined in January, scored two goals and 17 appearances. Came on in the playoff uh, semi-final second leg. It's a shame that Jack Grealish's career has worked out the way it has. Grealish should have been the best English player of the last decade. At at 18, he was bossing Barcelona's league. 
he was never a better player again. He stagnated. He declined very early. Injuries played a part. Maybe lifestyle, maybe a lack of real desire to be great. Super, super talented. Such a disappointment that at 29, you know, he's he's getting released from a championship club, having had to go there on a short-term deal. Don't imagine there'll be Premier League interest. Don't think he's physically able to play in the championship. I wonder in moving to MLS or to the A-League or the J-League, going and experiencing something different. Don't think he'd go to Japan, but maybe America or Australia. And he could be he could be great in those leagues. Like he literally could be one of the best players in those leagues because he's so gifted. And there were games for Bournemouth when he just looked like the old Jack Grealish for half an hour. And then it was gone again. Uh, Valencia have appointed Jose Bordalas, former Hatafe manager, as their new head coach on a two-year deal. He has uh, Valencia ties. This is an interesting one because the the club is so badly run. It's, it's the worst-run club in Europe. Uh, Peter Lim has done disgusting things to that club, and his best friend Gary Neville would never dream of saying a word. Um, Bordalis is his own man he's not going to take dictation he won't be told what the team selection is going to be he won't be told what tactics to use I can see this one blowing up uh, Sheffield United like I said yesterday have appointed Slavisa that I think is a really good appointment and um, the last bit of news there is that Pochettino is in talks with Tottenham over a surprise return I take it with a grain of salt I really do. I, I don't put too much stock into the reporting on this one. Um, I'm sure they've. I'm sure they've made a phone call. I'm sure they've spoken to his agent. I wouldn't imagine it's gone much further than that. I'll hold my hands up if I'm wrong, but I don't think it's going to go much further than that. I think if he leaves PSG, it'll be for Real Madrid. I want to go backwards? I really don't. Um, okay, from the Daily Mail, Manchester City want to sign Jack Grealish and are prepared to make him. England's first £100 million player. I have incredibly large doubts that they would have any interest in paying £100 million for Jack Grealish. I don't think anybody will pay £100 million for Jack Grealish because Jack Grealish is not a £100 million player. It's as simple as that. He just isn't. Uh, Jack Grealish is a very good player at Aston Villa where everything runs through him. There's no evidence that Jack Grealish facil- facilitates winning as part When it's the Jack Grealish show with 10 helpers, sure. Mid-table. How effective is he going to be when he doesn't have the ball all the time? We've seen players that are like that before. They're great when everything's built around them. When others do their work for them. And they're just there to add sprinkles of magic. It's a different thing in a Guardiola team. He doesn't really fit in the either. Like... Where is he going to play? He's not quick enough to play out wide. He's not good enough defensively to play in central midfield. They've already got Phil Foden. They've got Bernardo Silva. They've got Gundogan. They've got De Bruyne. Stop me when you know when I name someone who's not better than him. I don't think City will have... I think they would like him, but I think he'd be a squad player. And they're definitely not going to pay £100 million for him. I think the only club that would be stupid enough to pay £100 million for that £60 million football player 
is Manchester United. Um, Villarreal's Pau Torres plus three English players in Declan Rice, Jaden Sancho and Harry Kane are Oli Gunnar Solskjaer's top targets for this summer, reports The Guardian. The propaganda is real. Get that PR machine cranking out that news. Feed it to Mark Goldbridge. Feed it to him. Let him do shows on it. And spawn it out to the rest of the United fan base. United aren't... Spe- Pau Torres is going to be 55 million. Declan Rice, West Ham are going to want Grealish kind of money because they view him as that level of player. I think he's 50 million max. Um, but he'll be 80 million if he's a penny. 85 million going 90 million. And Spurs want 140 million for Kane. Will you stop? Will 300? Does anybody really think that United are going to spend 350 million pounds this summer? Seriously. Of those four, I think they get one. Pau Torres, who's the cheapest of them. Now, Pau Torres is a left-side centre-back, which means Maguire will have to move to right-side centre-back. He paid £80 million to buy Harry Maguire based on his performances for Leicester as a left-side centre-back. So you're going to pay a world record transfer fee for a defender and then move him to a different position. That's a... It's a risky strategy. It's a really risky strategy. I know he'll be helped by having Juan Basaka's recovery pace beside him, but you could have just brought a quick centre-back. Solskjaer offered a new three-year contract despite United's Europa League final defeat by Villarreal. Uh, not nearly long enough. Not nearly long enough. Give him six years. Give him six years and um, make it ironclad. Allegri, uh, Max Allegri is going to Juventus, says the Guardian. Uh, the Sky say it will be done within the next few hours. Goal suggests that Allegri had been Real Madrid's preferred choice to replace Zidane and that they will now target Maurizio Pochettino. Uh, the Guardian report that former Chelsea manager, sorry, former Chelsea manager Antonio Conte, who has just left Inter Milan, is interested in the. If he goes there, they're going to be a real problem. He is he is an exceptional manager. He is one of the top four managers in the world. He wins everywhere. Now he's a nightmare. He's a pain in the backside. Even when things are going well, he's falling out with manage, with people above him. Like he had a good first season at Inter. And went scorched earth on everybody. He won the title with Chelsea. And had fallings out with everybody. He won three titles in a row at Juve. And had everybody. Conte falls out with everybody. But you'll get a couple of great years out of him. And he'll probably win you something. Um, Simone Inzaghi is expected to be appointed. As the new Inter Milan manager. Uh, he obviously was also linked with Tottenham. He makes sense for Inter because he plays a back three. Uh, he has resigned as manager of Lazio. And I think that obviously opens up the the job at um, for him. I'll be curious to see who Lazio go for. I think the guy they might have gone for is De Zerbi, who's gone off to manage Shakhtar Donetsk. I wonder if he'll... 
regret jumping so quickly, but it means two new managers in the city of Rome next season. Uh, former Sheffield United boss Chris Wilder is set to be appointed as West Brom's new manager, according to the Mirror. Uh, maybe they listened to this show and have heard me lay out the case. Uh, Antonio Conte's departure from Inter could help Arsenal, as is great. This is from the Express. High-level journalism here. Could help Arsenal sign 22-year-old Morocco right-back Ashraf Hakimi. Serie A champions. Yes, I can imagine he's going to say, no, I, I don't want to play Champions League football. I want to go and play for Mikel Arteta. Yeah, definitely. That's definitely what he's going to do. He's also not a right-back. He's a right-wing-back. Play him as a right-back. You don't get nearly as much out of him. He's not nearly the same player. Um, English goalkeeper Tom Heaton will, will aim to challenge David De Gea and Dean Henderson for the number one spot when he leaves Aston Villa to join Manchester United on a free. No, he won't. He'll either be the third-choice keeper or the backup keeper if one of the other two leaves. He's not going to have a hope. You and me being United starting goalkeeper next season as Tom Heaton, barring injuries, of course. Um, Chelsea and Tottenham are both interested in signing Borussia Mönchengladbach's German midfielder, Jonas Hoffman. Um, so that's from Kicker. So I'm going to go ahead and say that he is currently looking for a new contract. Yeah. I would have a bet that his agent, now he's had a good season, six goals, 11 assists, but he's a right winger and he's he's a mid-table player. He's not a Spurs player. He's not a Chelsea player. I would guess he's looking for a new contract, having had the good season. And just putting out this talk that, oh, well, you know, these big clubs from England with all their money are going to come in from you. Better sign him up before he's away. Wouldn't believe a word of it. Uh, Chelsea are in talks with Gigi Donnarumma according to 90minute.com you might as well ask the man on the street um, the express that Alex Kral from Spartak Moscow this was to West Ham this was in yesterday's uh, news as well this is a great one former Tottenham manager Jose Mourinho wants to make Granit Xhaka his first signing at Rome now, I will say, Xhaka will be much better suited to Italian football than he is to the Premier League. But it is followed up by Arsenal want £21.5 million for Xhaka, but Roma are hoping to pay closer to 10 So Roma are living in the real world, and Arsenal are deluded. He is a, probably a £12 to £14 million pound player in the Premier League, which means you're selling him outside the league. He's not... No good Premier League team will want Granit Xhaka. None. Look at the table. None of them would touch him. Then look at the bottom half of the table and see who you think would want him and who could afford him. So there's no Premier League move for him, which means he has to go overseas, and that means less money. You're not going to get the same money because the top clubs aren't going to want him. Inter won't want him. Juve won't want him. Atalanta definitely, definitely wouldn't want him. And AC Milan wouldn't want him. Real, Barca, Atletico, Sevilla, they won't want him. Bayern, Dortmund, uh, Leipzig, they won't want him. Which means you're selling him to a mid-table club in a less rich league. So, obviously, you're going to have to be more realistic. And 21.5 million is nonsense for Granit Xhaka. 
Sacking Ronald Koeman would cost Barcelona almost 12 million euros, which means they're probably stuck with them. We're stuck with them because they are like they're broke beyond belief. They're over a billion. Imagine being a billion euro in debt. Imagine, imagine your football club being a billion euro in debt. Now I know Chelsea fans can probably, you know, they can probably accept that because they're over a billion in debt, but they're in debt to their owner. Who can afford to just go, ah, it's fine. Don't worry about it. That's on the never, never. Barca owe it to banks. And eventually banks will turn around and go, you know, where's my money? It'll be like Stewie and Brian. The banks will turn up with a golf club. Where's my money? Beat them over the head with it. Uh, And finally, Chelsea's defender, Antonio Rudiger, came close to leaving Stamford Bridge. Last summer, after serious talks with interested club, this is the mirror of trying desperately to fill some column inches. What absolute dreck! It's remarkable the stuff that the mirror, the mail, the star, and the newspaper that won't be mentioned on this show uh, put out just to fill column inches. Right, that's the show. Thank you very much, as always, for listening. Uh, do enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the football. There's there's good games on. It's it's a, it's an important weekend. Biggest game in football, Champions League final. The richest game in football, the, the championship playoff. It's 100 million on the line. All them beautiful parachute payments if it doesn't work. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a good weekend. Take care of yourselves. Thanks to Guy as always. See you Monday. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.